Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. With me today is someone who very directly, over quite a while, dramatically impacted my understanding and approach to leadership. He's uh, somebody who has become a really dear, dear friend of mine. Uh, He is someone who uh, many people know as uh, Whiskey Jesus. And he is someone who I think is on the cutting edge of a new, a whole new uh, market and segment of the entertainment market. And his name's Jim McCarthy. He's the CEO and co-founder of goldstar.com. And he was my boss for a long time. And uh, I will say that working with goldstar.com taught me some of the most important lessons that I've ever learned in my life. And I think we'll get to those things. But if you want to find Jim, you can find him at jimmccarthy.info, jimmccarthy.info. Uh, you can find Goldstar at goldstar.com. That's half price tickets to live events, early previews to live events. Of course, that whole thing got a little bit whacked during the pandemic, but that's starting to come back. And then uh, out of that, um, Jim is on the cutting edge with stellar tickets. And uh, I'm going to let him tell you the URLs for those. I think it's uh, uh, workwithstellar.com. If you're on the uh, if you cre- if you're a live entertainment creator and you want to do online digital live entertainment or online events, go to workwithstellar.com. That explains it a little bit better than uh, the other side, which is stellartickets.com, which you should go to if you're just looking for a show to watch on online. So yeah, those are and- workwithstellar.com and stellartickets.com. Awesome. And, you know, this is not just watching something online like maybe you used to think it would be like or like you used to experience or like I used to experience. Uh, This is people who are starting to really, really think hard about the online entertainment experience. And, uh, And so I think Jim is working, I think you're working with some really cutting edge entertainment producers that are pioneering something new and really exciting. Is that, is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that's hard to talk about because we're at the beginning of a new thing. Yeah. And you've been around long enough to know that by definition, when you're at the beginning of a new thing, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because if you think did, of the internet, right? The internet, yeah. It's a great example. In 1995 or six or whenever you want to pick, it was quite obvious that the freight train of innovation and, and, the development of the internet was on its way. Yeah. You, could, you could stand on the tracks and, and hear it, but you didn't know what was going to be there. You couldn't, you couldn't yeah. say, well, by 2000, we'll have this, right? So yeah. by definition, when you're at the beginning of something new, you don't know what, what's coming next. You can have some ideas, uh, and you could probably kind of get your mind around what's going to be different a little bit, but you don't know. So it's yeah. really, um, I guess the way that I would, th- I would talk about it is this. What uh, is the most exciting thing that people watch, right? Things that people get most excited about watching are things that are kind of appointment viewing in one way or another, right? Yeah, whether they happen in a real time. In real time, whether yeah. that be, um, you know, a sports event, you know, Super Bowl or pay-per-view boxing match, if you're a fan of that, or the last 
episode of a season of a certain show, just anything really where you got to be there when it happens. Um, I think that what we're going to see is over the next, say, five years is a real revolution in people's ability to deliver that to you. Live entertainment creators. Yeah. Ability to deliver that to you and innovation and what that is in a way that doesn't exactly look like what you're seeing today. It's not just a show that you would normally see in person with the camera on it. It's more, you know, it's more participation, more access, more community, all that stuff. And so we're, you know, we're the pandemic made the opportunity happen, but we're just at the, at the Kitty Hawk, the early stages of this thing where a lot more is to come. Right. Well, and you know, the thing that keeps going through my mind and it's maybe already tried at this point to talk about Citizen Kane, but, you know, movies like, you know, you had talking pictures was a big deal. Like it used to be that you would have like somebody playing live piano to the video of the movie and that was the movies. Right. And then all of a sudden, and, you know, people would hold up cue cards and you could read what the person just said and, then, you know, that evolved into something where you actually had a movie like right. we know it today. Yeah. And that's just kept getting better and better at something no like that. No doubt. I mean, you know, the other comparison that's even more recent is the mobile internet. So for those of you oh, who, yeah. who weren't. <laughs> I, I worked with you, Jim, yeah. when that was yeah. happening. And I will admit that even though I had been on the cutting edge of all kinds of technology stuff, I was resisting like responsive websites and stuff. I'm like, yeah, oh, dude, I don't want to do that on my phone. Just like, forget, I want to do it. But everybody else wanted to do it on their phone. And now the experience is so much better. Yeah. And, and a lot of things that aren't, you know, it's always that urge to <clears throat> take the thing that's there and put it in the new format. Yeah. So the, yeah. in that case, it was take your website and jam it into a phone. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. And then what happened was, okay, that, that's first. And then that kind of was all right. And then not great, but it was all right. And yeah. then somebody said, well, look, I'm not going to take an existing website designed to be on a computer screen and jam it into a phone. I'm going to start with the phone, you know, imagine the blank screen of a phone and build from the ground up, build from the yeah. ground up to, for this thing. And that, that's where you get things like Uber, right. In 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, relatively early in the in the in the mobile um, the mobilization yeah. of the internet, right? Where yes. that was never that was never a website that got turned into a into an app. It was right. built from the ground up to function on the screen that it was meant for, and that's where yeah. we are. With it. that's yeah. how everything goes, right? I mean, it's, it's you can yeah. you can look back to the early days of television, where they were kind of doing radio on television. Of course. Yeah. I I remember like there was a Dutch radio or TV show. Somebody told me about where they walked everybody in on, on TV. They watched everybody come in and sit down and then somebody walked out and they lifted up the arm on a radio, on a record player and set the little needle down on the record player. And then everybody sat there and like sat there with each other and clapped while they listened to their record and people watched them do that on television. Totally. And they learned over a very short period of time, what the techniques were for really yeah. getting the most out of the format, which was video. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, if you, there's a clip that you should, oh, you've probably watched it, but if you haven't watched it. Um, and this was early, this was 1952, the I love Lucy show. Uh-huh. There's a clip where Lucy and Ethel are working at the candy factory. 
I love that. My son, Johnny, yeah. loves that. He loves that. Yeah, and it's yeah. so funny because this is very early in the history of television, and they've completely leaned into the idea of video, right? So yeah. they've, got, they've got on the one side there. So the, the joke is, for those of you who don't know it, the joke is that Lucy and Ethel are just kind of idiots. I mean, they're they're the lovable yeah. idiots, but so they have this they have this job where the the candy is coming down a conveyor belt, and they have to just wrap it and put it back on the conveyor belt. I don't know why this factory is organized this way, but there's a yeah. wall between them and the the step before them and the step yeah. after. Them. They're, yes, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they're, they're trying to wrap this candy as fast as they can, and then the belt just speeds up more and more and more. And uh, pretty soon they're doing anything they can, including eating some, putting it in their hat. You know, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. you know, this is really early in the history of television, and they'd already begun to adapt to really nailing this on, yeah. on video, yeah. right? It's really nailing the joke on video. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it was, it's, it's purely a visual joke. You have yeah. to be watching it to get it. Yeah. Yes. It's the facial expressions. It's the, yeah. you know, it, it, I read, I read the definition of a clown, right? Is, is somebody who solves a problem in this, in the stupidest possible way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That works. <laughs> so Lucy That's pretty funny. The problem of uh of the too much candy coming on the conveyor belt in the yeah. stupidest possible way such as eat trying to eat it i mean like as yeah. if that's any faster than yeah. in their shirt put it in their hat yeah so I mean, funny take it off the you know just knock it on the floor if you're gonna do yeah. anyway but but that's the nature of of new media right yeah is that yeah step one is adopt the old thing into the new thing and step mm-hmm. two is start again yeah. You know, start again. So I think what what we're seeing now, as the pandemic sort of wanes, thank the Lord, is that we 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 no longer are going to need for very long um, the ability to use the internet just to see the shows that we want to see, like concerts and musicals and things like that. Right, that, that are in our own backyard. Right. 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 Yeah. That, that that substitute phase is passing, and where we're going now is people are already, and I talk to them every day, are already moving toward. Okay, what could I do with this? You know, like what can I do yeah. with this where I can I can invite an audience from all over the world into any room that I want and put on a yeah. show for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're just at the beginning. Well, it's pretty exciting. And people can see that at stellartickets.com. Yep. Watch the kind of the front end of that happening. Yep. Well, yep. so Jim, you know, I met you through our common beloved connection, R.B. Hackenberg, who's uh, definitely a mentor, I think, to both of us. He was, uh, I hired him as my boss when I had bigwords.com and it was the best thing I ever did. And um, and he he brought us together and then I ended up coming to work for you. And I was the first employee at goldstar.com. And I remember sitting in the, uh, that room with the, with the other three of you founders and, uh, making calls all day. And one of the big things that I remember was how surprising it was to me, the difference between how you all operated and every other com I'd ever been at every place else that I'd been, it was like work 16 hours a day, work, 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 nah, more, more, more. Right. And when I came to work with you guys, it was like, look, we're going to show up, show up on time. We're going to work all day, turn the crank really hard, really fast. And then at 5, 5.30, we're all going to go home. You go I, home too, right? Quite, I don't think it was 5 or 5.30 most of the time, but it wasn't It wasn't 8 p.m. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
maybe it was six, whatever. I mean, and as the company did better and got bigger, you, you had that attitude and, you know, every other company I worked for burned out, flamed out, didn't make it, you know, gold star still trucking and, and, um, you know, the pandemic certainly was a dent, but gold star still around and stellar's, uh, happening. So, you know, I think that that was a really big, that was one of the really big aha moments for me as a leader was that, you know, that kind of an approach, just work really hard while you're here, do a really good job, put in a full day, right? but go home and have some home time. Right. And I think that's, there's something about sustainability, right? Well, I mean, the question really is what, what can you do in the 11th and 12th hour of your workday anyway? Right. Like yeah. what, I, I don't think that many people are very efficient with their time to begin with. And I think if you think you're going to be there forever, there's really no incentive to be efficient with your time because you're just burning it up anyway. Right. So totally if you think you can spend maybe nine, nine and a half, 10 hours, maybe at, at a place or nine, let's say, um, you you need to get a lot done. I mean, you know, there are studies that have been done on the effect of a four day work week, for example, yeah, uh, on productivity, and people just find a way to do things in less time. You know, yeah. it's kind of remarkable. Um, you know, the the, the I, I hope that the era of showing your commitment, and I'm doing air quotes for people who you know are listening to this, yeah, by just being there all the time. I mean, that, that's just not a great. Who, who wants that? Right. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the uh, that the uh, millennials and Gen Z kind of wipe that one out for us uh, in the yeah. culture because it's it's uh, it's dumb. It's yeah, dumb. it is dumb. You know, and I've read studies, Jim, that that showed that after working about 38 or 40 hours a week, most people spent most of the time after 40 hours a week fixing problems they created because they worked more than 40 hours a week. That's highly inefficient. That, yeah, that, that's a, a misery maker, right? I mean, like yeah. that, that's literally a way to make people miserable. I mean, yeah, I think I think people can be productive for 50 hours a week, no problem. You know what yeah. I mean? If they're, yeah. if they're focused and ambitious and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, it, it's sort of... Um, a, I don't know. It's one of these uh, death traps of modern society where if you're between a commute and, you know, an 11 hour day, six days a week or something like that, yeah. why are you doing this? You know, I mean, like, unless you're, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think about Elon Musk and the, and the things that he's taking yeah. on yep. and he's a, a crazy, you know, work, workaholic guy. And yeah. yep. he, he asks for the same thing, but I mean, at the, I would say that's because he's working on things that he really feels like if we don't do them, the whole species is in peril. So I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you have to balance the fact that you're not efficient anymore after a certain point. But you know, yeah. if you if you only have you know if there's a ticking clock, you kind of find a way yeah. to push through. And you, so I, I get that most people are not doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, in any way. Yeah. Um, and uh, even people who sort of act as though their work is important. Um when you really get down to it, it's only important because someone's paying a lot for it. <laughs> it's not actually important. You know, most of the things that people do in the world of finance, for example, aren't actually important. Um, they're only important because there's a lot of money at stake. Right. But we're, so, we're bringing liquidity to the market, Jim. Yeah, that's fine. And you can definitely do that in, in, uh, in fewer hours a week, you know, yeah. just, <laughs> that's right. You know, push it a little more, you might make, you know, quite a bit more money. So there's, yeah. a, there's that, but uh, you know, I, I hope that people's, 
I hope that to some degree the pandemic has helped shift people's values a little bit. Yeah. Um, it comes to the me too. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. So what are some of the big leadership lessons that you've learned in your life, Jim? What stories come to mind when I ask you about that? Uh, You know, I mean, I think the biggest leadership challenge of my life has been the reaction to the pandemic shutting down our business. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, live entertainment business, huh? Yeah. I mean, so, um, you know, back in March of 2020, the, um, the whole industry that we're part of came to a halt in about over the course of about 36 hours. I, I mean, you told me the story of the timeline. Tell me that story again. Well, it's, um, you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, it was a, it, we should have seen it coming and to some degree we did. But, you know, when you're tied to the train tracks, yeah, uh, you it doesn't matter how much warning you have of the train coming. Right. Because it just you're you know, tied to the train tracks. Tied totally. to the train tracks. And so we were watching this closely since January and we started to, um, we started to gather, we started to, I guess you'd say collect the numbers every day of how many people were concerned about the coronavirus and yeah. asking like, you know, can I get a refund on my tickets or is the show going to happen or what happens if there's this? And yeah. so we started collecting that, you know, it may, it may have been late January or early February. I don't remember. Um, and for a long time, the answer was there was just not much, really, very, very yeah. little. You'd be surprised at how late it was before people started being concerned about it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Think, it's interesting. Think, yeah, it is interesting. I think even by the very beginning of March, we were still seeing just a little tiny uh, amount of concern from ticket buyers yeah. about anything, right? Like it was just like a handful a day. Yeah. Like, well, I will I get my you know is my event going to be canceled? Um, and so that I think alone is is a is a whole. There's got to be a whole psychology study done on on that, right? The, yeah. The um, even though we had all the information in the world about China and uh, other places too that that were in the grip of it, it just seemed like yeah. we're like nah. Well, for some yeah. mysterious reason, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, um, but anyway, so. Um, you know, the, over the course of, there was a, there were a couple of weeks and we started to see, then it started to to really kick in. We saw demand for things start to drop off a bit. Um, and then, you know, everything, it it was, it was more subtle for a while and then everything got canceled, you know, over that week, you remember the week, um, you know, I remember South by Southwest canceling Yeah, the, the event South by Southwest. And that was kind of. That was the moment that I was like, yeah, okay, people got the message. Like this is, yeah. and and that's when I started getting all these calls of like, John, um, we're canceling our event and, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was the week, the week of, I think it was March 9th. By the end of that week, everything was was canceled. Yeah, it's pretty, um, it did happen fast when it happened. Yeah, it did. Um, and um, the... It, it, it's just breathtaking. I mean, so it's, it's like, it's like you're driving along at a hundred miles per hour and you hit a wall. Yeah. Barn. You know what Done. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. You know? Um, and so, you know, it, it was quite obvious to me and I said it many times, many ways um, at the time that there was no quick out for this. 
I mean, I remember people talking like June was the horizon, right? Follow the PPP, keep those people on board, and we'll, you know, we'll be out of this by June. Oh, you know. And, and uh, my question no. then is like, how? What? What? Yeah. What would it take for this to be over by June? You know, and and I, I couldn't summon anything in my mind short of just mirac- yeah. miraculous. You know, yeah, <laughs> wishing we could wish really hard. Yeah, I mean, if that worked, then then maybe. But I couldn't make. I couldn't put any combination of uh, actual you know events that could occur together to make it not last at least until fall. You know. Yeah. And yeah. even then, that's really optimistic to me. That was very optimistic. And I think we were all hoping for that, but it was very well, optimistic. I'm not even sure what we were counting on. I think we were kind of counting on maybe it'll sort of run its course or it'll mutate yeah. or there'll be some interventions that bring it bring it yeah. into control. And we, of uh, course, completely screwed that up beyond all yeah. recognition um, <laughs> as a country. And, yeah. and as a and world. A world. Uh, as with a rare world. exceptions. It, yeah, with rare exceptions. Yeah. Good yeah. thing that rare. was a more dangerous because uh, otherwise we might we might not be here. Um, anyway, so the, the challenge there was you you know there's a company full of people in our case 120 people. Um, yeah. Who all of a sudden you you go you go to zero revenue overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that part was I mean it was it was gut wrenching. It was just gut wrenching. I mean it, it's, yeah. it's not just, you know I mean it, it, I I don't like I stood apart from that. I very much was. Uh, in the mix of uh, the people, sure. who, you know what I mean. Like I also, yeah. you know, depend depend on that on the company, for yeah, your livelihood and so forth. Um, and so, trying to chart a path through uh, keeping people employed as much as possible, um, keeping people on health insurance as much as possible, but surviving. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, yeah. you, you things like this come along and they strip away multiple layers of of wants. And yeah. come down to some of the more essential ones, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you all of a sudden you're like, well, looks like we'll be out of business in a couple of months. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if we yep. do something quite radical. So we did, you know, and, and um, um, we, we were fortunate in that. I mean, this is unfortunate, but the, we'd been anticipating the changes in terms of staffing for a little while. Cause mm-hmm. that was what we, with our little bit of warning, that's what we were like, well, we're going to have, if this happens, we're going to need to, move in this way yeah um and so that was mercifully not that big um there were, everybody was affected by either a partial furlough or a pay cut so every single person yeah. Um, yeah. was affected by that um and from pay period to pay period we were adjusting mostly down for for the long, yeah. long time mostly down yeah. but we'll be, you know we need to cut here and cut here um yeah. and kept but it kept everybody um on on the health insurance if they were still a part of the company and yeah. so that, you know, tactically, it was a very, very much of a, you know, very, very close work at looking at the numbers and being realistic yeah. about the numbers, you know, yeah. Yeah. and um, anticipating the different things that could play out beyond our control. And that was one side of it. So this is the face everything and rise versus, you know, forget everything and run thing, right? The <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. right? It was just like, okay, every ugly thing there is, we just have to look at it as square in the face as we can. And I, I got to yeah. tell you, I, I hate it. I hate doing that. I think we all hate doing that. But it's just like, well, sure. that or, you know, the, the or the, this clock will run down pretty darn fast, right? I mean, that that's one thing. But from the leadership, so that's part of leadership, right? Is that you're, you're kind of in charge of facing the ugly facts. Absolutely. Yes. 
Um, and no one can do that, you know, really, but, but the, the leaders of, of an organization. Um, and if you don't, you're not doing your job. And, you know, Jim, it brings up a thing that I was talking about a lot at the time, all throughout the, the really deep parts of the pandemic yeah. is the Stockdale paradox. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stockdale's yeah. quote, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you yeah. can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And yeah. like you said, like we all hate that, right? Yeah. No one but, wants to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so that's James Stockdale who lived through one of the most notorious prison camps in the Vietnam war. And when they asked him, why did you live? And some people died, you know, who was it that died? He said, Oh, that's easy. It was the optimists who yeah. died. And I was like, ah, oh, that sucks. I'm an optimist. But what he really meant was what I just said. It's it, you've got to be willing to confront the facts yeah. of your reality. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I've, I've turned to Stockdale multiple times during the pandemic, even though our situation is a lot less dire than his was. I mean, that, of I said, course, I said that to people like, "May you never." I've used this yeah. in talking to, to our team, like, "May you never face anything like he did." But we can still even borrow, some of that, you know, yeah. that wisdom, right? Of saying, yes. like, you know, he talked about guys who would say, oh, we'll definitely be out of here by Christmas. They'll for sure yeah. we'll get out of here by Christmas. Yeah. And then Christmas would come and go and they would go like, oh, well now I, now I have nothing to sort of hang my hat on. And I think um, um, it's, it's, I, I don't even know if I'd count that as optimism. I would count it as just sort of wishful thinkingism. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's it. That's it. I think he just said it's the optimists to catch our yeah, yeah. attention. Right. Yeah. But, you're absolutely yeah, right. right. Things, people like us who are optimists. Yeah, exactly. I, have to say, I will say this though. I, I think that um, I would be less likely to describe myself as an optimist now than I used to, because I think that what the, the, we've had the good fortune, you and I have had the good fortune of growing up most of our lives. Well, or maybe, maybe not most, maybe it's still not most, who knows, but all mm -hmm. of our lives are far a long time in an incredibly, incredibly stable and unchallenging world for us. Yeah. That's true. And just about any yes. American, regardless of their, you know, economic status or or yeah. even people who face more systemic discrimination than you and I do, yeah. relatively still unchallenging environment compared to the things people have been through throughout history. And so yes. you get thinking that's the norm, but it is not the norm, you know? Right. Right. And you know, from a leader's point of view, um, um, you know, you could realize that you're you're 50 years old and maybe have never faced a tenth of what you know, some nineteen-year-old uh, sergeant leading a platoon in World War One faced in the course Absolute, of the year. dude, for sure. You know, yeah. In terms one of, of the, one of the things I love about growing up with my dad is that he had been in Vietnam in combat and had, excuse me, some really tough experiences. Nothing like Stockdale, even right. But yeah. he was wounded and was in the you know deep stuff, and you know. Uh, he, the stories that he was willing to share with me certainly made me just amazingly grateful for, yeah, you know, my life. Yeah, and I so, and and it's not just war. I mean, you know, t take your average tenth century peasant anywhere right. you like, anywhere yeah. you, you know, it, just roll the dice. Um, yep. Their life is full of all kinds of things. So that's part of it. The other part of it, I think, was is. The communication side of it. So one part is the, I guess, analysis and decision making and facing everything 
the most brutal elements of your of your situation. Yeah. The other part of it is communicating. And if you have it, if you're a leader um, and you're in that kind of situation and you have to communicate, you have to be um, direct about it. Like you, you can, yeah. you say, Hey, we are going to overcome this, but here's the deal. Yeah. You know? I, I yeah. just think it's a time, the harder the situation, I mean, I, mean, I don't think there's ever a time for pretending or whatever, but the harder the situation, sort of the more important it is to say, okay, here's the, here's the real situation. Well, yeah, and I think the other thing is the, the more dire, you know, yeah. Well, and the more dire the situation, the more the temptation is to pretend. I think that's where that comes from. You know, I, like it. I think that's true. Um, I think that people will experience a greater cognitive dissonance if they pretend during that, though. Oh yeah, I don't think it. I, I think it's harder to pull off because, yeah. like, your face is giving you away, right? Well, and I also think this is the this is a path to. I mean, for me, it wasn't even like a courageous choice. Yeah, um, it's just the only choice. It's the only choice because I knew that like it was the beginning of the end of my credibility, and it probably would destroy me too. You know, yeah, yep. to say a bunch of stuff that's not that just doesn't. Yeah. you know, it, it's not true, and right. it's not credible, and it's you know this sort of namby pamby, you know, well, happy talk, and and then you're just like, well, I'm full of shit. And people probably, if they don't know it now, they will because I've just written some checks with my mouth that my ass can't cash or whatever, right? right. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then the other thing of, of like the events are gonna uh, are going to. I'm gonna have to keep patching this lie a million yeah. more times, you know. And it and it ultimately yeah. over is an overwhelming thing. So it's not something you can really live with. So it's like the earlier you just go, okay, you know, I'm checking into. Yeah you know, heartbreak hotel like early. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish the CDC and the who would have done a much better job of that. I think that we saw, I, I like, I can't believe the failed response of the entire planet with very few exceptions. And I think part of it was that, right? Like yeah. they, they're, you know, it was very clear it was airborne and we just barely got guidance that wearing masks works now that we can take them off because most people are not, well, not most, but people are getting vaccinated. Right. Like, why was that about, you know? Oh, right. they were afraid of a run on the, on PPE. Well, okay. That's not a good excuse to lie. Right. Tell us the truth and say, here's what you can do. Please don't do a run on PPE because it's just going to hurt you in the end. And, you know, fold up your shirt four times and do your best, you know? Yeah. I, I think that that actually is a good leadership lesson too. You know, I, I, the, there's no question that what they were trying to do was outsmart the dummies, which is the, which is a revelatory thing about their mindset, right? Yeah. Everyone, it's so everyone's dumb. They're all going to do the wrong thing. You know, it, it'd be like them saying, you know, don't wear seatbelts because they don't want people who are all idiots in their view to uh, drive more dangerously because they're wearing a seatbelt, right? Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. It's just exactly. outthinking out the room. And yeah, um, it's, it's, it's not disappointing. I mean, crux of, of leadership is, is kind of saying, look, I'm going to level with you. I'm going to talk to you like adults. Yes. And that, now, of course, there, there's no question that whatever the CDC says, somebody's going to go, oh, how can you possibly run? You just, but you of can't, course. you can't decide to say the wrong thing because some of the worst people are going to, react poorly to it. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. You just can't. I mean, we're still living to some degree with that. 
you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. We are. We're going to live with that for the rest of our lives to some degree. Those, those institutions have really seriously undermined their own credibility. And like you said, this one, we were lucky. It was as mild and benign as it was. Yes. Well, that's actually, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so I think that is a leadership thing, right? Like talk to people, yeah. though, you know, treat them as adults or treat them as, you know, I mean, obviously not everybody needs to know everything all the time when right. you're, um, yeah. but I think this whole thing of like, I'm going to, I know what I'll do. I'm so clever that I'm going to just do this message. Just I'm going to bend it this way over here because if I don't, they'll do this and this and this. Yeah. It's like, you, you know, that, it's just, it, it doesn't usually work like that, right? It like, yeah. It, really funny like a few years ago there was a pretty severe I know, I know we're in a drought now in california but we got plenty of water sort of uh, on tap so californians don't worry we have lots of water at least we have several years of water but yeah. we need the rain for sure but years ago there was a pretty serious drought and we didn't have all that water so california yeah. went through a lot of trouble of doing the public service announcements and everything saying hey save water dummies we're out of water like seriously yeah. you know yeah and, and guess what people saved water <laughs> you know isn't like, it oh, amazing yeah, it was like the the, the conservation efforts were really um, significant, right? I mean, it was yeah. you know people were like, all right, you know, and and, and they did it a bit, and it yeah. made all the difference in the world as the years went on. But yeah, um, you know, it doesn't mean it always works that way. But you know, it's like you if you if you want to lead somebody, you got to tell them where to go. Yeah, you you know, leadership yeah. is not a trick in that way. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it reminds me of a post I saw on Twitter from my friend Fiona Merton, and she said, you know, uh, one of those polls, do you think people are are basically good or basically bad, right? And I replied to that, and I said, by the way, this is a mirror uh, of, you know, who you are, right. Right? right? And how you answer that question is a look inside how you actually are. Sure, yeah. And, and I just... I think that um, you know that's one of the one of the things about leadership is uh, I think it takes some real effort and personal growth and development and honesty with oneself to get to a point where you can be a really great leader in all these challenging situations and still be straight with people and trust people because you trust yourself. Um, maybe yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I feel like it's partly just doing the job as it's, as it's required. Right. I mean, nobody, you know, no, nobody spends a lot of time thinking about what the inner life of the plumber has to be in order to do good plumbing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good point. So the inner life of the leader, just do good leaders. There's things that are, that are objectively going to be generally positive as a leader and others that are going to be generally defective. Like, you know, generally lying is, is going to get you bad results. I mean, it may get short term, you know, generally not, not, um, being aware of the facts as they exist is going to get you bad results. Generally yep. mistreating people or being like really, you know, emotional all the time in ways that are uh, not positive or, you know, are not going to get you good results. Um, just that kind of thing, right. Where there's just, it, it's, it's more like a, just a trade or a craft or something, you know, I mean, yeah. to some degree now, that's maybe a, that's hard, a good point. Yeah. It may be hard to do that sometimes because, um, you know, stuff gets in the way, but it, it isn't really, I mean, I think sometimes when people think of the word leadership, they, they put it up, you know, up here. And I'm for those yeah. of you listening, my hand is above my head. They put it up yeah. here 
as a, as though it's something um, that's the accumulation of like your whole, you know, being and so, so some superior thing, but really it's just um, trying not to crash the ship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trying not to crash the ship. Like I think about the old sailing ships, right? Uh-huh. The captain had a job. It, you know, it, it wasn't like yeah. the captain is the awesomest guy on the ship. So we yeah. let him wear the, you know, the cool hat, right? That wasn't yeah. the <laughs> captain uh-huh. had a job, which is where are we going? Yeah. And, you know, how shall we get there? Right. Yeah. And other people, there were 60, 70 other people on the ship, each of whom had a job. And, you know, t- they relied on the captain to tell them that, that we're, we're doing this. And they're like, hey, well, if that's what we're doing, I can make my part happen because I have yeah. my expertise too right and that and that's in a way that's just another part in the machine of like how to get yeah. a ship full of goods from one port to another so you can sell yeah it, you know whatever you're doing you know you're you're making me think of how much i like craft beer and i think that what you're pointing to is just the idea of craft leadership it's a craft just yeah look at like, you know, if you swing the hammer right and you hit it right on the nail, the nail goes in and it's done, you know, and there's a, there's a craft to that. That's not some big mysterious thing. Yes. Well, I think there's lots of different ways people can bring their own, their own being to that. Right. Just as craftsmen can, but it is kind of, it, it isn't, I mean, it's important, but it's not, you know, maybe qualitatively different. Yeah. From, from any other craft, you know, craft. and honestly, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is that a lot of the reason that people mystify leadership is because generally speaking, leadership comes with a certain amount of perks and privileges. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, people who have power and perks and privileges, you know, they tend to kind of, you know, they, they tend to kind of uh, get attention for all those reasons. Right. Yeah. And so you go, well, I want that too. So the person who's the person who's there says, "Yeah, well, yeah, I know you do, but it, boy, this is just something special, you know. <laughs> oh my God, right. you just don't know how hard this is. Woo, right. boy, how do you do it? I can't even explain it, you know. Right. I mean, like, well, oh, you know, can't you though? You know what I mean? Like, that, to some degree, you can, right? I mean, yeah. That's the thing. It's not as mysterious as the professionals make it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's cer- there's certainly like any craft, there's something to learn. Yeah. You know, there's something to learn. Yeah. Um, and and some people are going to be naturally better at it than others. And some people are going to be naturally interested in it than others. I mean, you know, there yeah. are definitely moments where if you if you are a leader who has the responsibility to lead people where you're like, oh, this sucks. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I wanted this job. But other times it's great. Right. right? And yeah. other times you're like, oh, I mean, and the real way to look at it is like, this is what I was, this is what I'm trained for. Yeah. Like the, yep. the, the, the grittiest sort of darkest moments. You're like, this is what, you know, yeah. this, is what, this is what the preparation was for. Yes. You know I mean? Like when everything's flying, it's fun, you know, of course. Yeah. But you, anybody could do it. <laughs> anybody. Yeah, could exactly. Do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. This is what, this is why we did this. This is why, you know, we, we went to business school or why we took the job overseeing the, you know, the first little team that you ever ran or the first little company yeah. that you ever built or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, is so that you are ready when the time comes, you know? Well, so speaking of that, I know that we're coming up on, uh, on time for us to go, but uh, 
Is there a leadership experience, a story, a person, a, a, a whatever that stands out for you uh, as you look back over over the road to getting to where you are right now? I mean, to, um, we'll put aside the what's happened to me in the last year. Although I have to say, like it's by far the the most. Um, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. here I am sailing along, thinking, you know what? I think I, I think the hardest part of my career is behind me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Oh, Pandemic. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, but there I mean, you go. Not to, not to focus on me. I, I think that one of the most um undertold stories of leadership at this point for some reason is Herb Kelleher, who was one of the founders of South Love Herb Kelleher. Yes. yes. But you don't hear people talk too much about Herb Kelleher anymore. No, nope. no. Nope. It's interesting. Um, and he um, you know, his leadership of that company. Uh, definitely affected me. I mean, I was never, I never worked for, for him. Um, yeah. But, um, but in the nineties, you know, he was one of the people that was really held up as one of the greats of yeah. not just success, but also um, in terms of like, how do you, how do you uh, learn to be a leader? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think I'm, I, I really don't think I'm the leader that, that he was, but um, he, um, he had this real, um, straightforward thing where he uh, looked after the interests of his team first and foremost, right? Yep. He, his whole his whole job was to communicate uh, what they were trying to do in the most direct way that he could, and then to have the organization back that up by simplifying what they did as much as they could so that it was all yeah. focused on the mission that they were trying to do. I yeah. mean, he was just a guy who, you know, I mean, he, he notoriously, um, they were they were sued by some company do you know the story? They were sued. Uh, yeah, they, tell me. They were sued by. Some, I don't even know what the issue was. They were sued by some company over something, right? And and um, you know, it wasn't a huge issue. It was it was a big issue. Um, and so Herb uh, Kelleher challenged the CEO of the of the other company. And this is when Herb was like sixty, right? So it wasn't like yeah. a macho man kind of thing. Um, yeah. Challenged the other CEO to an arm wrestling match to decide the issue. Yeah, and they did it. So Herb Kelleher and this, and this other CEO brought yeah. their employees to 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 this thing, and the two of them actually did arm wrestle. And in the end, they just made some agreement that kind of worked for both for both parties. But it's just the kind yeah. of thing where, like, if you show that as an example to to your team, you're just kind of giving them a whole other dimension to work on. Obviously, yeah. that's not a great general purpose resolution strategy for things, but just the idea that like we can just figure, you know, it doesn't have to be this you know, either or it doesn't, it, it's not yeah. always zero sum, right? There's lots of ways to come at things. Yeah. And I, the other thing I'm trying to do more, John, and it's been uh, in the midst of the pandemic, this has come up. It's like, th we were talking about this recently is, you know, is to, to embody fun more, not just for yes. other people, but for myself, right? Like, like yeah. there's just no, I mean, again, like if you haven't been, you know, if you've been lucky enough to where your business is not, in the life and death business over the last year during all this, then yeah. there's a certain amount where it's like, we should, you know, let, let's have as much fun as we can. You know I mean? Like yeah, well, yeah. people, I mean, you know, if you ask people, do you want to have fun at work or not? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, that, that's a good hiring question. Cause if yeah. they say no, probably you shouldn't yeah. hire them. <laughs> well, then you wouldn't have any accountants, but, but, but that's <laughs> That's no, funny. Well, and, and that don't because you know that only leads to trouble when accountants are having fun. But um, that's an exaggeration. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like, why not? Right? Like the the uh, it's just most people are not doing work 
including me. That's a matter of life or death. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's very Kelleher, right? Uh, it, very much you know, and, and uh, he definitely seemed like he was having fun and he, that went on to his employees and that went on to me as a client of Southwest airlines. Yeah. I, I love Southwest, you know, cause it's yeah. just very personal. It's fun. It's human. Yeah. You know, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I mean, it worked, it, it's worked better than, I mean, it, the, the, the people don't even know how successful Southwest air is. I don't think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, Southwest air is, I don't know where, where it is today, but for most of the last, 25 years or so Southwest air has been worth more in terms of market cap than all the other major airlines combined, you know, I mean, just it's spectacular, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just unbelievable. And, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, and they don't have the great big jets and they don't fly to Paris and they don't do, you know, yeah. all that stuff, but right. you know what they do uh, is deliver on the, on the value proposition day in and day out. So, but that, yeah. so I, I think people should, he, um, Many books were written about him and by him, I think. But um, yeah. if you want to, if you're if you're looking for a leadership story, I think probably younger people who have have kind of grown up in their in their careers after he was talked about as much as he was in the '90s, let's say, yeah, may not know as much about him. So go pick up any of his books, any of the books about him or or um, or by him. I think he wrote. Some yeah, yeah. Um, Herb Kelleher, the. CEO yeah. of Southwest Airlines. Yeah. 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 Well, Jim, you know, I, uh, we're not quite out the other side of this whole pandemic thing yet, but I yeah. do really wish you and gold star and stellar tickets all the best. And I, I, I have been really trying to focus myself on the silver linings of the pandemic because sure. certainly the downsides are obvious. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that stellar tickets is a, is a big silver lining. And I think yeah. it's very exciting to see and think about where you all will be in three years, five years, what's this going to look like, you know, yeah. very, very yeah, exciting. I mean, the way I look at it is the live entertainment that, that COVID has created a huge opportunity for the live entertainment, the, the world of live entertainment creators, Yeah, but we paid a pretty steep price for it. So if, if those live entertainment people out there don't put it, don't, don't let it go to waste. We pay. Yeah. The price, yeah it's know? already paid. Yeah. You already price, paid you know? that price. <laughs> paid the price. And so don't let it go to waste and don't, um, we didn't pay a price just to go back to where things were. We paid a price right. to go forward. You know, yeah. one of my, my good friends and uh, speaker at TEDx Broadway, um, Daniel Watts, um, did a talk that's on TED.com actually, which, which has been very cool, but he, he was talking about Broadway and the, the capping line to his, his talk, which I think applies to more than just Broadway was Broadway can't come back. Broadway has to come forward. Oh, that's great. So I'm just all about coming forward. Yeah. You know? Well, that's great. I mean, listen, I think I'm going to take that on. I invite everyone who's been listening to us, take that to take that on. We can't come back. We've got to come forward. Yep. yep. I love it. Well, Jim, thank you very, very much for joining me. I hope you'll come back because I, I think it'd be fun to uh, so much more that I know that we could talk about. And uh, and great to kind of take this moment and document the pandemic because I think when we yeah. do get past it, it's going to be really tempting to forget these moments. And I'm glad we captured it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Okay, man. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Jim. Talk right. to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go 
be awesome. 